0: wovu 95.9 fm and jumpstart is celebrating black history month bringing you conversations to connect our history and experiences to the entrepreneurship journey jumpstart is an organization of diverse entrepreneurs investors and business experts who believe entrepreneurs can transform lives and community let's jump right into it with our friend ron stubblefield from jumpstart
1: good day Wovu. Like my name is Ron Stubblefield. I'm an entrepreneur in residence with Jumpstart. And I'm your host here for our Black History Month series talking about advancing black entrepreneurship. And today, particularly, we wanna talk about civil rights and entrepreneurship. Now I could talk about this by myself, but I'm not going to because I have three amazing women here who I would like to first introduce everyone to. Starting with Ms. Ella Fry from ECDI Ms. Tamika Otis from the Key Bank Boost and Build Program, powered by Jumpstart, and Ms. Erica C. Pennick, the Executive Director of the President's Council. So I'd like to begin by asking Ella Fry to um, introduce herself and her organization, and then I will ask the rest of our guests to do the same.
2: Hello, my name is Ella Fry. I'm Director of the Cincinnati and Southern Ohio Women's Business Center. I'm also with
1: ECDI,
2: which stands for Ohio Economic and Community Development Institute.
1: Thank you. Tamika. Hi, my name is
3: Tamika Otis. I'm director for the KeyBank Business Boost and Build program powered by Jumpstart. I'm also founder of Kabad Consulting, where we provide nonprofit and small business consultation.
4: Hello, family. This is Erica Pinnick, the executive director of the President's Council.
1: Thank you all. So I want to begin by putting out a talk about a recent study that came out that showed um, by not investing in black entrepreneurs. We are talking about this country has lost $16 trillion in gross domestic product. And as we talk about all these recent issues going on with black entrepreneurs, I think it's important for us to understand how we got here. So I'd like to be, begin by talking about and open the conversation going, let's talk about America's legacy of racism and what it's meant for, for first black entrepreneurship. So I wanna start with Tamika and let's, really, let's frame up How exactly did we get to the situation that we're now missing out on $16 trillion a day?
3: Oh, Ron, that could take 20 hours. So I think the most uh, blaring thing is, you know, I, I participate on a lot of different panels where they're talking about a broken system Right. And we've had these conversations a lot. And what we know is that the system as it's set up is not broken at all. It's working exactly how it was intended to work. And that's to exclude people of color, specifically black people from ownership. Right. We know that wealth comes from ownership. So we're talking about um, the lack of access to banking systems, you know, laws that were put in place specifically for um, uh, black people and families not to be able to own their houses, not to be able to own their businesses, not to be able to go in certain banking institutions. And so we have a long history of not having a relationship with banks. You can't have a business without capital. And so there, I mean, that's the most blaring thing for me. And we could, again, talk about a lot of varying um, issues. And I'll I'll defer to um, my co-host here um, on, on that. But For me, it's really just about the intentionality behind removing the access or ability for Black people to own here in the United States.
1: Hmm. Ella, Erica, anything to add?
2: I would say that access to information, because of systemic racism and discrimination, we as African Americans and other minorities have been limited to access to information in terms of developing your own business, in addition to what Tamika had said, access to capital. Those are the two things that have held um, many African-Americans back. I remember CJ Walker in terms of her struggle in starting her business and what uh, hurdles she went through in terms of that. It was information sharing the information about marketing and developing a business plan together and then access to capital. How will I fund my venture in terms of doing that? So we struggle, but there were a few that did survive in terms of student civil rights and owning their own businesses. But I think the, today's date, we still have some of the same problems um, in, in terms of that. So we still need to pursue resources that are here now, resources that weren't available During the civil rights period for many people of color. So definitely communicate information and access to capital.
1: Great, and last but certainly not least, Erica.
4: I'll echo what both of the ladies have said, particularly as it pertains to access to financial and human capital. Capital access remains one of the most important factors that are limiting the establishment, the expansion and growth of minority owned businesses. There was a study released by the Levin College of Urban Affairs at Cleveland State that reported that approximately 35,000 Black-owned firms in the Cleveland area, only 822 have employees. And if the nearly 24,000 Black-owned firms who did not have employees added just one person to their payroll, it would decrease the unemployment from 4.8% to 1.8%. And that's directly impacting the wealth disparity gap between whites and people of color. And that's why the President's Council's Excellence in Entrepreneurship Program is vital. We're trying to fill that critical gap in the entrepreneurial ecosystem by addressing more than 50% of the top challenges of black small businesses.
1: like you no, very powerful statements. And so I wanna take that, go pick back on something Ella mentioned a moment ago. Let's not like no, make sure let's not pretend that there weren't entrepreneurs of color who were who trying to make it through. So I want Ella to maybe give us a little bit of a history lesson. Let's talk about what that entrepreneurial experience was like for Black entrepreneurs, especially as we're talking about post-life in the Civil War and in the era of Jim Crow.
2: Well, I think the key thing there was the resources in terms of um, many people at that time during civil rights had limited resources in terms of they had a product and idea. There were limited support to help you develop your idea your product. But we, knew, we know that when there's a, a need for a product, uh, a need in the community, which is not being met by the general population, then we have to be creative and use those resources and like I said, Madam C.J. Walker, she did that in terms of helping uh, people of color with their hair and developing it overall, using those products on a small scale, but then growing it and growing that market. So I think that as we look at the past and go forward to the future, uh, many of that is consistency. Take your idea and develop it, you know, work with your idea and work with the resources that you have in your particular network. And I think that's what we encourage businesses to do today um, in terms of hone in on your craft, develop your craft, because that craft or that new idea will change the world as we see in terms of the example of Madam C. J. Walker, if she had not taken the lead, she was the first millionaire in terms of African-American and what she did. And she knew her product inside and out. And she kept perfecting it over and over and over again. Uh, and we know the story today in terms of what that's led to. And she's just one of many that we can talk about. A proud woman, uh, used to her family to work with her family and her community. It's all about community
3: and serving community and growing as well.
1: No, wonderful. And I see Tamika nodding along. So I know she's got something to say.
3: Yeah, I definitely do. And that's one of the great things about our program, the Business Boost and Build program, is that we are b- bridging the gap between the people who need resources and services to help them maximize the success of their business and the resources that are here. There is no lack of resources or services to help entrepreneurs to meet their goals. The the gap comes from that connection, right? And, And Ella spoke about the lack of information, the lack of access to information. A lot of times people in our communities assume that certain organizations won't serve them. And then we have the issue of certain organizations organizations not welcoming people who look like us. Right. It's not a very welcoming environment. And so they don't, they don't access those services because it's not a it's not a good situation or not a good experience for them. So um, you know, programs like the Business Boost and Build program, where we are putting intentionality behind making sure that these resources and services which have historically not been available to these communities, making sure that they are. And a lot of times that means we're not sitting in our offices anymore, we're going out into the community. We are making sure to take part in of events that are Black-led. Um, and so we have to do things differently. I say all the time, there was so much intention behind excluding people of color from ownership. So now in order to right that wrong, we have to put a lot of intention around making sure they are included and creating systems and programs specifically designed for us and our unique challenges and barriers.
4: And and let me just add, that's the great thing about Black-led and missioned organizations. We know our people, we are our people, and we speak the voice of our people. And I'll say what I say often, it's not just what you know or who you know, it's really important who knows you. So entrepreneurs, it's important to utilize these support organizations, again, that are Black-led and Black-missioned with a focus of intentionality, like Tamika indicated, on you, your success, your scalability, your thriving, your sustainability.
1: Very well said. And there's a thread through all your three comments that I wanna jump on now is my follow-up question. No, it was pretty much alluded to by everybody that at some point you're going, something is not being met. And when we think about Madam C.J. Walker and others, for example, we recognize the one key thing that helped them successful even when people weren't trying to give information, even when people weren't trying to give the capital. It's black needs weren't being met. So I really want us to really unpack that a little more both because that problem has started was definitely, definitely there and hasn't fully gone away about the so many untapped market opportunities that exist just by meeting the Black community's needs.
2: I think that's a very good point, Ron. When I'm talking to uh, women in business or business owner in general, entrepreneurs, the question comes up, what type of business should I start? You know, where should I, I, I go with my business? Or if I'm scaling my businesses, and I'm pivoting during this pandemic, what do I do and look at, look at the needs in the community in terms of needs not being met? I tell people one example when McDonald Brothers created McDonald's year in the 50s and 60s. They had one or two products, a hamburger, a cheeseburger, a fry, and a shake or a Coke or whatever. But they made sure they made the best one that they could make and offer it to the community. So we see so many people, so many products in our community that's really not meeting our needs. So if you are very innovative and you have something you feel that you feel will be productive to the community, don't be shy about it. Work on that craft. Use your network, uh, the resources that are here to help you with your network. And that many times can start with a mentor, a counselor. It could start with your banker or it could start with your high school teacher in terms of saw what passion that you have about what you do. And I think that's part of it as well. What are you passionate about in terms of that? I tell people, you you go to bed at night thinking about your business, you wake up in the morning. So it's 24 seven. How will you drive that home and take it? I think many times when I'm working with entrepreneurs, I'll see how they enjoy what they're doing. They're not doing it because they need a job. I tell people, you know, if you start in a business just to generate revenue, that's not enough you need to have that passion and where you're going and you think about your families. Can I employ my family members? Can I get them involved in the business? Can I help my family member go forth with a business? I think those are some things that we need to see. Like you see people in your family and communities that we need to support in terms of their idea and their concept and the ones that are struggling in the community. God bless them. They will have resources to contact uh, through their nonprofits in the community, the economic development people, as well as like the Women's Business Center. Use those resources and and I'll stop there and I'll let my other sisters share as well.
3: I think to piggyback on that, I I share with a lot of our, our clients and small business owners to identify your tribe, right? Build your tribe, build your support system because being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur can be very, very isolating, right? I'm a serial entrepreneur myself and I stepped out on my own and my family thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but luckily for me, you know, my best friends were entrepreneurs. Um, My business partner now, she went to school for entrepreneurship. So I identified my tribe. So when I had questions that couldn't be answered or I needed resources and I didn't know where to go, I had a, a tribe of trusted individuals who had the same passion behind um, their, their vision and their dream to execute on their business, which really um, drove me a, a lot of, a lot of the time, because again, being an entrepreneur can be so isolating, especially being a woman of color, especially walking into rooms and people assuming that I don't have the same business savvy or I'm not as intelligent or that my business will not be as successful strictly because of the way I look or my zip code. Um, And so just to have that team, that support team behind you to just kind of cheer you on and to support one another and collaborate with one another so that we can maximize one another's success as well um, has been really helpful for me. And so when I'm consulting with businesses, I impart that into them as well. And then also, listen, you're going to hear no a lot. No should not be your end, right? No should be your motivation. Like, no. Oh, okay. Watch me oh, you said no to. Oh, okay, watch me, right? Because you're gonna hear a lot of no's. um, And so again, I I just tell people all the time, build your tribe, lean on them a lot, ask questions. Don't be afraid to walk into doors where you might not be welcomed because you might change the whole trajectory of that organization just by that one interaction that you have.
0: stay tuned we'll be back with more from our friends at Jumpstart celebrating Black History Month on WOVU 95.9 FM
5: hi this is joy johnson executive director of Burton Bell Car Development, also referred to as BBC. When you hear BBC, you may think of the British Broadcasting Company. We are actually named for three community leaders who served the Central and Kinsman neighborhoods in the past. Lonnie Burton, James Bell, and Charles V. Carr. Residents of the Central and Kinsman neighborhoods may be familiar with those names because we have the Lonnie Burton Recreation Center, We have Charles Carr Avenue in Garden Valley. We have the James Bell Pool on East 71st Street in Central. Many of our residents were alive when those three leaders served the community. Folks outside of the community sometimes think we're a law firm, a CPA, or that Burton, Bell, or Carr are people who work here and founded the organization. They were all deceased when Burton, Bell, Carr was founded in 1990, and the Organization was named to honor their contributions to the neighborhoods. So now you know who we are Burton Bell Car Development.
0: Welcome back to Jumpstart's Black History Month Conversations here on WOVU 95.9 FM. Let's join our friends from Jumpstart and Ron Stubblefield, our host.
1: All right. So as we go on that, one of the things that's really intriguing to me, when I look back at the 40s and 50s, you know, yes, we can talk about we still don't have enough black lawyers. Yes, we can talk about enough black accountants. Yes, we can talk about enough black doctors. Yes, we can talk about enough black cab companies. But we noticed even then, we still had those you know, they were still there in the community. So one of the questions I have for Erica, you know, as her was one of the things the President's Council does a phenomenal job of, it's making those connections. How do we help people get better connected with the amazing Black businesses that already exist?
4: As I said, it's it's about who knows you. So the businesses that we serve, we have many, many major corporations that call us and say, do you have XYZ company that can do this thing? And so it's incumbent upon us to make certain that we know the businesses, we have existing relationships with those business owners. So when majority companies attempt to say that there aren't qualified suppliers in these areas, we can push back and give challenge with um, absolute resolution to that and say here's who can. Um, I would say that business owners definitely need to get involved with their local Black business chamber. They need to have access and make connections with these again Black-led and missioned organizations that have their focus on serving our communities.
2: I think also volunteering in your community, taking leadership roles in in terms of that. I'm knowing that many entrepreneurs are very busy running their businesses, but that networking, um, building those relationships uh, is very important. Yes, being a member to the African American Chamber of Commerce, the Women's Business Center, uh, other groups like that, that's important, but also within your community where your school districts are. Overall, I'm sure there are programs for entrepreneurship and youth in the area as well. Also, your lending community as well. It's very important to sustain those relationships in terms of credit. You may not want to look for funding now, but that relationship with your local banker, does your banker in the community know who you are and what products you serve overall? Uh, we have a directory we like to share with our minority-owned businesses and women-owned businesses. It's very important. We are contacted many times by companies that says, I wanna do business with black entrepreneurs overall in that particular area of interest." So that's why sharing what you do with your community, i always say it should not be a secret. I should not have to find out through the grapevine uh, who my black attorneys are, black dentists in the area. Uh, share it, uh, whether it's church groups. I know that we're a little isolated now overall, but there's still ways of reaching out to the community. And you. And word of mouth travels very fast in terms of, um, I use the example of that restaurant. Where's that restaurant with that secret recipe? Who makes those sweet potato pies? Patty LaBelle is not the only one that has those sweet potato pies. (laughs) If you found a business, share that with your sphere of influence and give them their name. Give them a referral. Uh, You can go on different areas and comment about businesses you uh, enjoy and support and help promote them. Social media now to help spread the word about the African American businesses in our community. People do want to support them. So don't keep it secret. I think we share it with our network and our community, and the business owners need to be active in the community as well.
3: I think, and also to add to that, um, I know when I was starting my business, I again um, had a lot of intention about um, hiring other black owned businesses to help me with my services so my accountant is black right there's not a black owned bank near me but um i opened an account at key bank there's a key bank two minutes from me but i went 30 minutes out to where there was a black female branch manager because i knew that having my account there would help her numbers Um, i collaborate a lot with other black owned businesses Um, anytime i utilize services of black owned businesses i am listen i'm the one on social media shouting them out tagging them. You need to do this. I'll I'll buy I'll buy you your first purchase. That's how good it is. We have to really, really support and rally around one another. Um, And so just really put intention around um, supporting one another in the sense that, you know, if I need an attorney, if I need a banker, if I need an accountant, I'm I'm seeking out my brothers and sisters um, to assist me in, in those areas as well. I think that's also very, very important.
1: All right. Great. So as and I think this piggyback something I see on social media way too many times. We don't be supporting black owned businesses. And I really want us to unpack that, you know, um, because um, I just heard from a, a brilliant, talented sister and another sister and another sister that they're out here supporting. So I'm, I want to know is who's this we? I'm curious about that.
3: You know, I, I think that that's a myth. I, I work with. uh oof. At, at this point, hundreds and hundreds of businesses across four markets, and that's just with the Boost and Build program. And so there's just been like historically this, I don't, I don't even know what to call it, where you're not going to get the same same service or the same excellence at a Black-owned business. And that, that has not been um, my experience at all across the board. You know, and, and that's the same for any any business. Some of them are not good at customer service. You don't get a good service as well as, you know, a, a Black-owned business. But overwhelmingly, and that's, I, I'm telling you, I get my laundry detergent from a Black-owned business. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get my eyebrows done by a Black-owned business. My nails are done by a Black-owned business. My hair is done by a Black-owned business. And they provide excellent, stellar service. It's not even just about the service. It's also about the experience, mm-hmm. right? Right. I'm around my tribe when I get there. I feel welcomed when I get there. I'm, I'm happy to walk in the door. I'm talking to my sister girl when I'm getting my eyebrows done or when I'm getting waxed, you know? And and so it's not just about the service or the product for me. It's about the experience. And in my experience, and again, I interact with hundreds of businesses across several, several markets. Overwhelmingly, my experience with Black-owned businesses has been amazing, and, and so that should be the narrative. So even when we're around one another, and we're hearing that I don't support black owned businesses, and we need to push back on that. Like, whoa, 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 that's not that's not our truth. Like, we're, we're not going to allow you to continue to um, carry that narrative on and give examples. Boom, 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 try them out. If you don't believe me. Because that, that is just not our truth. Our, we are just as excellent, if not more, than any other business. And the more we support one another, the more we collaborate with one another, the more we partner with one another, the better our businesses are.
2: I echo that same sentiment. I drive at least 30 minutes out of my way to go to my black dentist. My husband said, why do you do that? There's a dentist, you passing four or five. It's the experience, the quality of service I've been hungering for. And here it was that I can support an African-American attendance in terms of that. So I agree. Uh, supporting black-owned businesses, my experience has been excellent uh, overall. And I would encourage other people to try it, you know, and, and refer other friends, take your friends to the black-owned business as well. So they know that you're just not uh, Referring them just to say, let's nice do it, but yes, yeah, I agree.
4: I absolutely agree with both of you. And certainly I believe Tamika and Ella, you both mentioned about making certain that when you have a great experience to shout it out on social media, make sure you tag that company. When you do see someone on a, a platform that asks for a recommendation, make sure that you make that recommendation to that black company and that you tag that person. Our Black businesses are doing great work, giving great service, and going above and beyond. We work with them every single day. And if you need a recommendation, call the President's Council, call ECDI, call Boost and Build. We will certainly give you the names of those organizations.
3: Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah. And I just want to, by the way, to take the time to say um, I'm forever thankful for Erica when I came to Cleveland and went, let's do lunch. She went Black on spot, Right. And I went, yep, yeah, you got Rex. And I got a 30 <laughs> restaurant recommendation list. I've made the point to work through each and every one. And I can't pick a favorite because they're all that exceptional. So as we go here now and we talk through, people often ask, often ask me, well, that's fine, Ron, but why is entrepreneurship something you really consider a light of a civil rights issue? And they start telling me about housing. They keep talking to me about my schools or family. They keep talking to me about, frankly, insert issue of disrepair they're going those are civil rights issues how does entrepreneurship tie into being part of the larger solution to all these issues
2: I think the investment in your community those black owned businesses and black communities keeping the dollars in our community is very important having seventy percent of your dollars leave the community that makes us the school districts stressful. Um, That other support, the infrastructure that is needed for that neighborhood is not there. Um, The the taking of of parents or grandparents and great grandparents and aunts and uncles looking at children, bringing back children to the community. If they see that their neighborhood is being invested in, they'll return after going to college and come back home. And we have more dollars to put in our community. I think it's about investment having pride in your neighborhood. You may have a little, but cherish that little as my grandmother would say. You just may have a small house, but take care of that house and invest and support the kids in the neighborhood, whether you're mentoring and tutoring overall, giving back to our community, coming back to our neighborhood, being a voice in terms of leadership, I think goes a long way.
3: Yeah, I, I echo what, what, what Ella said. I, I couldn't have said it better. Yes,
4: I definitely agree, Um, but let's think about 2020. We know that 2020 was rough, Mm -hmm. but it also brought focused vision on the disparities that scan across the full spectrum of health, wealth, education and incarceration for people of color. And it magnified the need for our accelerated change. We know that our legal system is not justice for all people, particularly for black families, targeting our black men. This is resulting in absentee fathers, lack of positive male figures to pour into the life of the young children left at home, lack of the father figure being the first man to tell that young child they are valued. And when someone serves time, they come home, they can't get a job, can't get a place to live. And then we wonder why some of them go back to a life of crime. It seems there are limited opportunities, certainly none that we don't create for ourselves. And this is why the President's Council has, for more than two decades, focused on being an engine for Black business growth. I say all the time that entrepreneurship, the power to give jobs, build generational wealth, and ultimately influence, is the single most transformational component to disrupt and shatter the status quo. And we know that the current system wants to just keep the status quo.
1: Well said, I often say, if entrepreneurship didn't have much power, they wouldn't limit your access to information how to be one now, would they? Exactly. Exactly. They wouldn't limit how much capital you could get to do it. Exactly. So obviously there's some power to figure it out. And that power goes exactly that. Like think of our quality of lives. Like, you know, I can't speak about beauty salons, but I know when I, I chose my neighborhood in Cleveland to move to based on where was we barbershop by brother. So I could figure out how to get my haircut done right, because at the end of the day, the line I've got to be nice. <laughs> uh, navigate the space that was the new te- new city I'm calling home. You know, um, you know these things matter because that sense of community, that sense of belonging that we've been alluding to so much. Mm-hmm. And I often see, and it's, I'm curious to the, everyone's thoughts here about how, for example, I hear people talking, I can't find a place to get health care. I'm like, great, let's talk about building a community urgent care center right now. There's your business exactly. opportunity. Exactly. So I'm really curious your th- thoughts on going, hey, as we talk about different disparities here re- that we're talking about trying to address, your experience of seeing how does that become the business opportunity that builds wealth and helps the community at the same time?
2: One of the things I've noticed in certain communities, what well, they call it, a, de- a food desert, where in certain communities they don't have access to groceries or grocery store in terms of getting the vegetables they need, the fresh meats overall. That is an opportunity as well. Uh, we have communities where we have a number of fast food places, but then we need to look at our community from a nutritional standpoint. Health is part of it. You know, we want a healthy community, but we want healthy families as well. And, and having those lessons about the market in our area. How can we bring more markets back into our area that are blank owned? Maybe we need to consider joint ventures. I have nothing against Kroger in terms of what Kroger has done in the community, but I think that African-Americans we can pool our dollars together and have our own markets in our communities, go back to those days where we would have that and support those uh, resources that we have and bring in what we want in terms of fresh food uh, accessible. And there's resources, in the community, uh, through the counties and through the states to help fund those top opportunities. And that's where I mean about sharing that information. What is the need in the community? We want healthy neighborhoods, healthy food. We don't want our families leaving, going to suburbs to shop in terms of market. We want that internally. So we do have to look at those opportunities and how we can pull together, even if you have to create a nonprofit or a co-op to begin it. But we have to be creative uh, overall about the longevity in our families for generations. So employment opportunities, if we have more businesses in our community, we can employ more people, putting them to work in our community.
3: I think also to add to that, my favorite clients are the ones that identified a need in the community and built their business around it. And it's um, sort of how my, my consulting firm started. I was doing grant writing pro bono. I just loved having the ability to to write grants that funded grassroots nonprofit organizations that were serving my community. And it was a friend that said, Tamika, that's awesome. But you know that that's a business too, right? So you could do that on other levels too. You can do some pro bono work. And so that's how my business started. It was really out of um serving a need for my community. And many of my clients that have such passion around their community and have built their business around identified needs in their community are very, very successful. And they're hiring locally and they're changing the dynamics, right? And the visuals around their community. I'm working with a client right now who is a nurse by trade, and she's seeing the devastation of COVID, not just um, as it relates to health and, and death, unfortunately, but just the devastation of families, like for people who do survive, but we're out of work for five months, like how do? where do I start? What, what, what do I do? So she's building this concierge service like, hey, you can call Miss Fulcher and she's going to let you know all of the resources that you need. She's kind of like wrapping her arms around these families. And when she came to me, it's just like, yes, this is what it's all about. Is us supporting and serving one another, identifying your purpose and your passion, identifying a need in your community and building your business around that. Um, My son is, he's 18 years old and he's looking to build his own business right now. And he asked me, he's like, I have all these different things and I don't know which one I should pursue. I said, well, what are you most passionate about? What would you do even if not a dollar came to you to do it? And his answer was just like this, you know, and especially in our communities where there are so many challenges and barriers and obstacles and needs, there is so much opportunity for you to build a successful business that is also serving and supporting your community.
4: I think about the ways in which many of our businesses had to to adjust over the last year. And many of the things that they were doing to survive. They did not think that that was a viable solution, but it became a quality pivot for them in their business. When we think about contactless delivery. There are things that I have delivered now that I never thought that I would have had delivered before. Mm-hmm. And there are things that I don't have delivered that I'm like, why aren't you delivering that? So now I'm saying to myself, Erica, you need to go out and start that business because somebody else is sitting at home thinking, I don't want to go do that either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so- <laughs> Yes, let the needs are there. Just just don't be afraid to step out
1: and do it. That's right. Uh Uh, Wonderful. And um, Erica, when you're ready, you know, you got three supporters already right here for you.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more from our friends at Jumpstart celebrating Black History Month on W.O.V.U. 95.9 FM.
5: Hi, this is Joy Johnson, Executive Director of Burton Bell Car Development, also referred to as BBC. When you hear BBC, you may think of the British Broadcasting Company. We are actually named for three community leaders who served the Central and Kinsman neighborhoods in the past. Lonnie Burton, James Bell, and Charles V. Carr. Residents of the Central and Kinsman neighborhoods may be familiar with those names because we have the Lonnie Burton Recreation Center, We have Charles Carr Avenue in Garden Valley. We have the James Bell Pool on East 71st Street in Central. Many of our residents were alive when those three leaders served the community. Folks outside of the community sometimes think we're a law firm, a CPA, or that Burton, Bell, or Carr are people who work here and founded the organization. They were all deceased when Burton, Bell, Carr was founded in 1990, and the Organization was named to honor their contributions to the neighborhoods. So now you know who we are Burton Bell Car Development.
0: Welcome back to Jumpstart's Black History Month Conversations here on WOVU 95.9 FM. Let's join our friends from Jumpstart and Ron Stubblefield, our host.
1: So as we're coming close on time, there's one major question topic I still want us to dive into. There are many people here who, in light of the recent unrest that we had in the rocky year that was 2020, I'm referring to it by its government name because it deserves (laughs) government name treatment. Um, (laughs) And what we recognize, many people want to be good allies. They want to enter the space. They want to help support black entrepreneurs, but we also know this is their first time into that space. What are some guides and counsel that you want to provide for those trying to be allies to be mindful of so they don't cause more harm than good to our communities at a time when we can't afford that?
3: One thing that brings a lot of frustration to me is when we are building programs without the input of the people that we will be serving in those programs. When we're coming into communities and telling communities what they need to be doing in their communities, but you don't live there, you don't shop here, you barely drive through here, um, you know, that that's really a point of frustration for me. And so I would say to be a good ally, your first job is to listen right? is Your job is not to come in and tell everybody what they need to do in their own community. Your job is to listen. And if you're building programs, if you're building systems, then you have to have the input of that community that you're serving before you build the system. You don't build the system in the program and then have a focus group to see if you did it right. That's backwards. From the inception of your planning and and your strategizing, you need to Get the input of the people that you are looking to support and serve. That's the only way that what you will do will be effective. That's what makes you an ally. Otherwise, you're coming in as a dictator. And then you're wondering why we're not receptive to your information, why we're not coming to your events, and why we're on social media telling you that you're a fraud. Right? (laughs) Because you can't come in and tell me what I need. I tell you what what the needs are. Right, I tell you everything that we've done. I tell you how I want it to look. And if you have something in place to assist us to get to where we need to be, then that makes you an ally. That makes you a co-conspirator. That, that makes you, you know, in, in the quote unquote struggle with us. Other than that, um, you are a part of the problem and not a part of the solution.
2: I agree 100%, you have to involve the people in the community in that vision uh, because this is the vision with how they want their community to develop and grow and evolve. Uh, being an outsider, coming in, come in and listen, Sit down and meet the people in the community, meet them where they are, and don't always have meetings outside of the neighborhood to talk about the neighborhood. Uh, all bring the meetings to the neighborhood within the community churches or at the neighborhood nonprofit areas or the business owners and asking them have a business alliance with the businesses in the community overall I think that I echo what uh, Tamika had said I support her wholeheartedly uh, if you really want to assist, come to the community with an open mind and open concept don't have preconceptions about the community get to know them first and let's develop that vision together
4: there is no more to be said it has already been spoken
1: i'm like i'm like yep if there's one other thing i could add would be respect the institutions that have been fighting that battle before you saw the light Yes. Respect yes. the institutions who've been fighting the battle before you saw the light. Yes. Because I can tell you personally, um, there are a lot of organizations who they've been understaffed and under-resourced. And the best way you could support it, and the community loves them, the best way you can come support is invest in them. Invest in the ECDs, yes. Invest in the boosting bills. Invest in the President's Council so they can amplify the work they're doing that's already from, that from people who are by the community or the community know the community love that they just need more, more straw to build more bricks for success. Absolutely. So respect because that happened, that, because that respect gets lost every time and the battle is already over.
3: That's right. That's
1: She's like, you don't think Erica doesn't talk at church? <laughs> 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 so as our, as our final wrap up, I like to make sure we leave everybody with one positive affirmation as we close off today. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start with Ella um, and it can be anything about entrepreneurship, about final takeaways. It could even be advising people to drink more water.
2: (laughs) I do advise you to drink more water uh, in terms of that. I would say definitely take advantage of the resources that are in your community. Reach out to one another and share information. Tell someone of your story and what is going on and work with that individual or group organization. Yes, ECPI and the Women's Business Centers are here for the community, the business community to help grow that community. And our services are not costly. Um, That's one thing that we can say that probably back in the civil rights days, there were limited resources for entrepreneurship and support. And that's why we developed our office in the urban core in the neighborhood areas to reach out to you. So definitely reach out to your brothers and sisters that are in business and support them as well. But as you think about your business idea, use the resources that are available to you at no
3: cost. I love that. Um, And I think in going back to identifying needs in our communities and building businesses around it, uh, with my consulting firm, we have something that's called Sunday Reflections. And th- this Sunday, the question that I posed was, um, are you chasing opportunity or are you following your assignment, right? So same thing for for entrepreneurs, right? We, we, if we have life in our body, then we have purpose. And if we have purpose, then we have an assignment. And mm-hmm. so there are so many things that we are very purposeful about, that we are so passionate about, that will help to change and transform our communities. So don't always be about the biggest check, the biggest opportunity. Is it in alignment with your assignment? Is it in alignment with your purpose? Because very often our our purpose is what feeds and again, transforms our communities. So if you're an entrepreneur, and I'm saying this as an entrepreneur, and I'm someone who could maybe be somewhere making a whole, whole lot more money, right? But I am in the trenches with my community right? And because of that, I'm fulfilled. I'm fulfilling my purpose and my community and my people are better for it. So I I just want to encourage people, don't chase opportunity, follow your assignment.
4: We use different words like tribe and community and family, but it all comes down to one thing. We are one, we're united, and we're walking in this together. We have to be unrelenting in our efforts as accountability partners to government, to corporate organizations, and to each other. And we will move forward. Absolutely, yes.
1: Very well said. And in addition to still advising everybody, drink more water. Um, (laughs) (laughs) On a more more serious note, if there's one thing I think is very important that everybody understands, as Black people, we're worthy. We're worthy of being respected, we're worthy of being entrepreneurs, we're worthy of being invested in, and we're worthy of leading. Yes. And as we take nothing else from this section here, from all the beautiful advice we were given, is that there's resources to help you. There are people rooting for you. Yes. And that and that, un, and that under no circumstance do we need to tolerate disrespect of black worth, black wealth, and black power. And there are people and organizations out here that are willing to respect, harness it. Find your black, find your tribe. Yes. Find your black organization. Find successful black businesses that are, find just leaders who are who say, not only do I buy back, buy black, I'm about being black, I support black. And I promise you, we do those three things. The rest will take care of itself. And with that, thank thank you all so very much. Thank you, JTC and the rest of the crew for letting us host us today at W.O.V.U.
0: Thank you as well to our friends at Jumpstart for helping us celebrate Black History Month. Check out what Jumpstart has to offer entrepreneurs here in Cleveland by visiting them online at jumpstart.org W-O-V-U or call 216-363-3400. Be sure to tune in to Jumpstart Fridays every week at 10 a.m. right here on W-O-V-U 95.9 FM Burton Bell Car Community Radio.
5: WOVU 95.9 FM, Our Voices United, and Cleveland's Central Promise Neighborhood celebrate the 2020 Champions of Central. Champions of Central are individuals who live or work in the historic Central Neighborhood who keep alive the promise of a vibrant and thriving community for future generations. Let's meet one of the 2020 Champions of Central, Walter Patton
6: it was great to be honest like like you said we didn't know who was nominating us or who picked us. so it was a surprise it was a not saying that it was overdue but just glad that it was recognized you know what i'm saying i'm a i'm a um what a fourth generation essential. central so my great-great-grandmother my grandmother and my mother now me so i knew what it was like when it was great it's kind of on the downside but we can get it back I'm 33 years old, and I've been in the community for 33 years, like as a resident. You know what I'm saying? So I've been there my entire life, and I've seen when it was good, and I've seen the ups and downs of it. So that's why I do it because I like the greatness. Like I know the, um, you know, the Carl, Carl and Lewis Stokes, the Jesse Owens, the Langston Hughes, the Frank Jacksons. Like I come after that. So you know, I honor that. You know what I'm saying? So I created a youth program, a youth initiative, called Create Art, Not Violence, and that's to help kids overcome their traumatic experiences through art. Art meaning poetry, film, painting, drawing, we even had athletic days. So that kind of flourished during COVID because all the kids was out of school. So I had over 60 kids inside of my um, Create Art Not Violence initiative inside of Friendly Inn. I was blessed to be able to use that space during COVID because while the Rex was closed, we was open. I'm an artist, so I'm a poet. Um, I'm a film director as well, you know what I'm saying? So I got over 20 short films. My documentary, Bridge in the Gap, which was a part of the One Garden Valley Initiative, when I host the youth open mic here, I did an overall documentary on it. And um, it was kids from all over the city of Cleveland coming together through art and hip hop. Every day is substance. Every day I'm in the community. Um, one time I went viral for reading books to the kids in the out community, that's where I'm from. So I think I just stood out more because I'm always active, like I'm always on the go. And then, like I said, I've been a resident my whole life there with the Environmental Health Watch. That's what I do the LEAD Initiative with, LEAD Resource Center. And that's been going on, I think, for like the last six months, and we've been all over the city of Cleveland, all 17 wards, just um, raising awareness on the importance of LEAD poisoning, providing resources to make homes LEAD safe. What changed it for me was in 2005. I had a cousin from across the street over in Garden Valley named Lennard Penson, and he was murdered right in front of Lonnie Burton, shot in the head. And three months later, there was a young kid named Brandon Davis from the 30th Projects, and he was only 11 years old, and he got gunned down right in front of me. So when I start seeing it, I'm like, man, I gotta do something different because if not, I'm gonna be like this. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm gonna be on the other end and in jail for doing it. When I'm at home, these kids that come knock on the door. Like, if they see me on social media, they see me outside playing with the kids. And, like, say it was the day before, they'll come. Like, it's our turn. Like, can you come play football with us? Can you come ride bikes with us? So, yeah, like, that's the—they um they see me. But, you know, you got a lot of them. To be honest, you got more that's taking the turn for the worse because they see the money, they see the cars, they see the glamour and the glitz. Then they see me over here, I'm not as flashy. So it's like, okay, what? Well, I see what you're doing, but everybody over here. So it's kind of like a tug of war with me and them. Cause you got a lot of older guys, that's my age who's promoting the negativity. You know, one thing about me, I had a kid at 17 years old, you know what I'm saying? So I was moving fast and um, I had to move fast. You know, I had a lot of things going on in my life to where I had to be an adult at an early age. So just trying to get them to stay a kid, like don't, Don't underestimate your experiences of being a kid. Go out there and play football, sign up for the basketball team, join the chess club, do kid stuff. Because at 16, 17 years old, we was out smoking marijuana, out out with the girls, doing the negatives. So I try to encourage them to just remain a kid. Like don't grow up too fast because that's the worst thing that could happen. So what I see that other people don't see is a bunch of unique individuals with talent, but it don't get glorified like the violence another thing that i do see is a lack of education right in the central community and i'm not talking about the cmsd community i mean education i'm talking about the the education the life skills like your 501c3 how to get an llc how to become a 1099 a self-contractor i'm a 1099 we so we so motivated to become an employee like, we're not motivated to become an entrepreneur because there's no platforms to teach that. You get what I'm saying? There's no platforms to teach real estate and how to go about that. If we can get at-risk youth, which is ultimately leads to teenage pregnancy, and it's one space and raise them together, that's what create art and our Not Violence. That's my vision, is to, is to change central by the youth. The younger we start and we raising them all together for a better community, I think it'll work.
5: Congratulations to Cleveland's 2020 Champions of Central from Cleveland Central Promise Neighborhood and WOVU 95.9 FM, our Voices United, a Burton Bell Car Community Radio Station.
0: Strengthening our students in partnership with Burtonville Car Development Incorporated and WOVU ninety five point nine FM celebrates its eighth annual Soup for the Soul fundraising event, and this year is all virtual. Saturday, February twenty seventh, from two to three thirty PM online with soup pickup right here at WOVU ninety five point nine FM. Soup for the Soul twenty twenty one will be hosted by Fox News anchors Wayne Dawson.
6: Hi, I'm Wayne Dawson from Fox 8 News and
0: Kenny Crumpton
1: Kenny Crumpton here with W-O-V-U 95.9 You
0: must pre-register online to participate in this mm -mm good Soup for the Soul event. Visit strengtheningourstudents.com or eventbrite.com to register. Join us as we celebrate the wonderful work and excellence that Strengthening Our Students provides for children and families throughout the Cleveland area. This year's events will be live on Online and on the radio, broadcast simultaneously on WOVU 95.9 FM with Jay the Gospel Kid Williams and the WOVU radio team. You do not want to miss this one-of-a-kind online virtual soup for the soul fundraising celebration. Saturday, February 27th from 2 to 3:30 p.m. And don't worry, you won't miss any of the shenanigans that Wayne Dawson and Kenny Crumpton have. In- in store for you. The amazing soups for this year's Soup for the Soul will be provided by Beckham's BM Barbecue, Hilton Garden Inn, Angie's Soul Cafe, Booker's Soul Food Starter, Urban Sweetness, and Simply Michelle's. Remember, you must pre register at strengtheningourstudents.com or Eventbrite.com. You'll have front row seats to the live cooking demonstrations from Cornucopia Place with Chef Eric Wells of Skylaray's. Culinary services, experience a fabulous silent auction, and view exciting products and services from vendors all over Cleveland, and get a chance to get up close and personal with celebrities from Fox 8 News, News Channel 5, WKYC Channel 3, CBS 19, and CW 43, along with Mark Lyons and Nate Landry from J Honda Auto Group, Yvonne Pointer of Hope Haven, and PGA Golf Pro Tiana Jones. The eighth annual virtual Soup for the Soul fundraising event is sponsored by Dominion Energy, RPM International, Popeyes Louisiana Kitchen, Key Private Bank, Retina Associates of Cleveland Incorporated, J Honda Auto Group, and the AKA team, along with WOVU 95.9 FM and Burton Bell Car Community Development Incorporated. Visit strengtheningourstudents.com or call SOS Executive Director Deitra Williams at 216-321-0911. Saturday, February 27th from 2 to 3.30 p.m. online and on the radio. Strengthening Our Students 8th Annual Soup for the Soul Fundraising Celebration. Brought to you by Strengthening Our Students and WOVU 95.9 FM, a Burton Bell Car Community Radio Station.